0: Well, good morning. Welcome back. Uh, we're here with a special guest um, visiting from the University of British Columbia. Hi, everyone. My name is Julie. Hello. So J- Julie's doing some really interesting research. Um, she's collaborating with uh, me and my advisor here, uh, Dr. Cantar. And um, we're do- uh, she's doing some really cool work on um, um, women publishing in STEM. Um, and specifically the leaky pipeline. And uh, for the listeners who, who haven't heard of that before, do you want to introduce the, the topic?
1: Sure. So if anyone hasn't heard before, STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And um, what we call the leaky pipeline is just the fact that there are a lot of women in under, undergraduate programs in sciences. But as you move on to graduate school and postdocs and professorship, there's fewer and fewer women. Um, And so we call this a leaky pipeline because there's uh, different sort of barriers along the way that result in more and more women dropping out of STEM fields as they go on in their careers.
0: Fascinating. I guess, um, so would you say one characteristic of that, you know, when you think of it as a pipeline that's leaking, is that you don't lose people at a few key stages. You lose people all along the way.
1: Exactly. So there's like some factors that will make a few women drop out between undergraduate and graduate school. There's some factors that will make a few women drop out between graduate school and getting a postdoc. Um, some factors that will make you drop out between postdoc and professorship.
0: Right. Fascinating. So um, what, um, what our group specifically looked at was, um, was um, citations and publications. Um, and how that might affect the, the leaky pipeline. So um, I guess, I guess um, the research was specifically focused on academia. So um, as somebody, both of us, working in academia, um, I want to maybe introduce for the listeners what, how um, the link between citations and um, those sort of metrics, like citations and um, um, the leaky pipeline,
1: Sure. So, there's because
0: um they are used for tenure, promotion, and you know, moving through the system. Even like go, even graduating from undergraduate and graduate school, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what happens when you're a scientist? You publish papers, and in your paper, you'll cite other papers that were relevant to your work, and so. How it works is if your paper gets cited a lot, that means that other scientists found it very useful, so it'll get a high citation score. And what we currently use to evaluate whether someone should get a job as a professor in a university is how many citations they have and, um, on their publications. So if you get a lot of citations, it means that you do work that other scientists find useful, and so you are more likely to get a job.
0: Yeah, exactly. So this contributes to the leakiness of the leaky pipeline by because um, currently it's not equal. There are disparities between the frequency of citations um, between men and women trying to advance through academia. So um, what, um, what was looked at in this research was something called altmetrics for measuring scientific impact. And altmetrics are exactly what they sound like. alternative, alternative metrics. So um, can you maybe describe like what, what alternative metrics are used to calculate this, this aggregate altmetric score?
1: For sure. So whereas citations measure is how often your paper is cited within academia, so like by other scientific papers. What Altmetrics does is it measures how frequently your paper is cited in tweets, in news articles, in policy documents, and on other kinds of uh, media and social media platforms that are more outside of academia. So while citations give you an idea of how important your paper is within science, uh, Altmetrics gives you a measure of how important your paper is outside of academic circles.
0: Excellent. Yeah. So... Um That means that, to those of you listening out there, even, like, you know, um, people who aren't in science can influence the altmetric score of researchers' publications.
1: For sure. Um, It happens all the time when people read studies that they find interesting on, like, psychology or diet or health or whatever it is, and they share it, they tweet about it, they post about it on Facebook. This will increase the altmetric score of that scientist's paper.
0: Yeah. So, um... Yeah, so your research is specifically looking at um, using altmetric scores um, in addition to or instead of citations.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because like you said before, um, there's a lot of research that's been done that shows that there's a gender bias in citations, meaning that men's papers get cited a lot more than women's papers. Um, and so what we were trying to look at is whether the same is true for this all score. Is there a gender bias in altmetrics? Do women's papers get tweeted about or talked about less or more than men's? Fascinating.
0: I love the idea that scientists are doing their own research on themselves. It's very... Uh... Very meta very meta. Yeah, there we go. Well, again, this is this is Julie from the University of British Columbia. Um, we're going to break for a song here. This is Dolphin Dance from Herbie Hancock. Happy Friday. Welcome back to KTUH. Um, we're here with a special guest this morning. This is Julie from the University of British Columbia.
1: Hi, everyone. Happy to be here.
0: Um, she's here to talk about some research that she's been collaborating with um, the Cantar Lab, of which I am a member, um, looking at the difference in altmetric scores between male and female scientists. Um, altmetric means alternative metrics, specifically to citations. Um, you want to talk a little bit about what what alternative metrics they use.
1: Sure. So just to recap, alternative metrics or alt metrics, what it measures is how frequently your article is cited outside of academic circles and how often your scientific paper gets cited by like the news and tweets and um, social media and stuff like that. Fascinating. Yeah. So
0: um, they collect these metrics across a lot of the scientific literature. Um, As of last year, they had... 12.4 million works um, catalogued and they had um, 95.8 million mentions of those works um, used to calculate the attention score. Do they give different weights to the different um, things they track?
1: Yeah, for sure. So it's not, so what Altmetrics does is it calculates a score based on these different mentions and different platforms that I mentioned, but not all of them are attributed the same weight. So a tweet won't be worth as much as being mentioned in a news article, for example. Um, So they have this special formula that they use to calculate the score that gives different weights to these different things based on how important they are.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So, um, how, how did um, how did you do this? How did you compare this to the traditional metric of citations? And how did you tease apart whether there was um, uh, what the average scores of, of men and women were? What was the process?
1: So I had help from you at the beginning um, when we got those millions of articles in the database. You helped uh, sort of scrape them and organize them into a way that uh, could feed into analysis. Mm. So what we ended up doing is we chose only articles that were published between 2011 and 2018 because the fact that Altmetrics measures attention online and on social media, it, um, it favors more recent articles. So a paper from 1984 won't have as many tweets as a paper from 2013, obviously. And so we decided to narrow our focus to just look at articles between 2011 and 2018. And then what we did is we have the, the authors of all of those articles. We ended up with uh, 200,000 articles or a, th- a little bit more than that, I think. And we have the authors of all those articles. And what we did is we genderized them. So we used this tool um, that has a database of names. And so what we do is we feed it with the names of the authors. And then it spits out the most likely gender of the author based on the name and how frequently the name is referred to as male or female in their database. Excellent. So, looks, sounds like what you had was
0: just uh, a giant table with a list of authors, and the table, each row, was an individual scientific publication. And um, for individual names, you don't get, you know, you don't. Know exactly whether they're male or female, but you get a score of how likely it is either way right and, and some names are some names are right in the middle like half and half, and then some might be all male or all female
1: yeah, so um, if you feed the algorithm with a name like John, for example it'll tell you there's a ninety nine percent confidence that it's male mm-hmm. but if you give it a more gender ambiguous name like Taylor, um, it'll tell you it's only like sixty three percent confident that it's male. Um, And one question that comes up a lot is whether this works with like non-Euro names, and it does. So there's a database for a whole bunch of different countries. It also has Chinese names, Japanese names, Indian names, and so on. Fascinating. So um,
0: would you like to tell tell us a little bit about how you selected these journals? So um, you... You didn't use the entire database um, of 12.4 million uh, scientific works. You pared it down to a more workable number.
1: Yeah, so what we decided was to only use journal- articles that were published in some of the top science journals. So we looked at Nature and Science, which some people may have heard of, and other um, very popular journals. Because these are journals that are very much talked about a lot. And so the articles published in these journals are more likely to actually have altmetric scores.
0: Yeah. So more prestigious journals are read more often. Yeah. Yeah. And Nature and Science, in particular, are highly prestigious journals. But more importantly, they're um, very diverse in what they publish. These journals, um, yeah, these journals are read widely across all disciplines in science. And... Um, uh, they publish works from across cross disciplines, yeah. yeah exactly, so um, but we also had some other other types of 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 journals in there. We had some disciplinary journals, and um, uh, so an example of a disciplinary journal might be like um, the New England Journal of Medicine, yeah, and we also had cell we also had cell,
1: um, which publishes um, about cell biology, yeah. And then there was also um, an open access journal called Plus One. And so all of the papers in that journal are open and free for everyone to read, even non-scientists.
0: Yeah. So um, what was the goal behind choosing uh, very different strategies behind the journals, different types of journals?
1: We wanted to get an idea of whether there was a difference in how male and female authors got scores in these different journals. So we were just curious if, for example, um, there might have been a gender bias in one of the journals, but not in the other. So we sort of separated our data set into these different journals and different types of journals to see.
0: Interesting.
1: Okay. And um,
0: so once you had had these journals... um, and uh, looked across, looked at the, the scores in them. Um, how did you figure out, um, how did you figure out whether male and female scores in, in an individual journal were were equal or whether there was a disparity?
1: How did you go about that? We used um, some statistical modeling. So what we did is we um, modeled, the score of an article against um, the gender of the authors in it, the journal, the year it was published, um, the total number of authors, and the month that the article was published. And so we wanted to basically see, through statistics, whether any of those factors that I listed influenced the score. And then we subtracted basically the means between male and female scores to see if the difference was greater than zero
0: very interesting again this is Julie here from the University of British Columbia talking about some fascinating research looking at um, publications between uh, men and women in science Um, up next here we have uh, Dizzy Gillespie's version of A Night in Tunisia. Happy Friday enjoy welcome back We are here with Julie from the University of British Columbia here talking about some research that she collaborated on, um, collaborated with the University of Hawaii on, uh, specifically the lab of Dr. Mikey Cantar in Tropical Plant and Soil Sciences here and myself. Um, She's looking at um, alternative metrics. For tracking scientific output uh, between uh, male and looking at disparities between uh, male and female scientists, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, a little bit about the existing disparities between male and, and female uh, scientists in in academia? How often they get cited and and uh, even all metric scores?
1: For sure. So. Scientists publish papers, and those papers get cited by other scientists, um, and that's sort of a measure of your productivity and uh, how useful your work is in scientific circles. And there's a lot of research that shows that there's gender bias in that, as in men's papers get cited more frequently than women's papers. This is a problem for women who are trying to get jobs in STEM because um, it contributes to what we call the leaky pipeline. So fewer and fewer women... Um, are in positions as you move up the ladder in scientific fields because and part of the reason is that this gender bias in citations uh, affects how we evaluate them. So there's alternative metrics that measure not how often a paper is cited by other scientific papers but how often a paper is cited in um, the news and on Twitter and in other sources, and so what we wanted to look at is whether there's also a gender bias in this realm. So, alternative metrics are new. Yeah, they started in uh, 2011. Yeah.
0: So, and um, it could could it? Do you think it? Um, so, before we get into uh, bef- before we get into the implications of this research, uh, what did you find?
1: It's really interesting uh, what we found when we we looked at a data set of 200,000 articles from seven different um, high-impact scientific journals um, and articles published between 2011 and 2018. And what we found is that there does not seem to be much of a difference between the scores that male and female authors get, which we were pleasantly surprised about.
0: Fascinating. Um, now... With regard to the older metrics, such as counting the number of citations in the academic arena per work, is there a difference?
1: Yeah. So in citations for older metrics, yes, there's men's papers tend to get cited a lot more frequently than women's papers. Yeah. Interesting. So not meaning to oversimplify, but um, it sounds like the new metrics
0: might be a little bit fairer.
1: Yeah, and so they're they're cool in two ways. Um, they're not meant to replace citations, but what they do differently is that they tell you about um, science communication and outreach efforts that a scientist makes. And also, they're cool because it does not seem like there is a gender bias in the way that women's papers are um, shared compared to men's papers. Fascinating. Okay, um,
0: so... That um, so the implications of this research are um, either related to the related to the overall fairness of um, of uh, uh, the the way we measure scientific output. Um, the traditional way, citations, is measured by counting how often papers are cited, and um, they they calculate uh, you know when they look at this they calculate like h index and i ten index.
1: Yeah, Mm. so those are basically just ways of measuring how productive an author is and how often that author's papers get cited. Right. Um,
0: And altmetrics um, bring in all this other information, like how often their paper makes it into policy documents and how often it's retweeted and posted on websites like Reddit. Um, So it brings the general public in... Into the, um, into, um, you know, scoring somebody's academic output.
1: Yeah. So whereas citations are sort of just your peers um, evaluating you as a scientist in a way, um, altmetrics opens up the opportunity for uh, the broader public to sort of have an impact on your research output and how many people you, re- you reach. In your opinion, um, why are altmetrics fairer? There's a couple of different things we're not really sure. so there's different things that could be pulling in either direction. So there's some research that shows that there's more men on Twitter and Twitter is a very important platform for science communication. So you would think that maybe because there's more men on Twitter, um, it would there would be men would have more uh, or higher scores than women, uh, at least in that realm. There's also the fact that a lot of research shows that men are better at self-promotion and that they tend to use a lot more positive words when describing their own work, so they're more likely to say that their research is novel and excellent and um, unexpected and and these kind of words, whereas women are not likely to use such positive words, so maybe their self-promotion is um, contributing to them not having better scores. But then on the flip side, there's a lot of research that shows that women scientists tend to choose research topics that non-scientists find more interesting. So um, it could be that, not, that women scientists are publishing about topics that non-scientists share more on social media platforms and talk about more in the news. Um, for example, people tend to talk more about psychology research in the news than they do about nuclear physics. So we have sort of these factors that are pulling in either direction, and we're not really sure why the metrics that we found were not gender biased, but it could be that there's a bit of a tug-of-war going on between these different factors pulling either way.
0: Thank you very much. That's absolutely fascinating. Again, this is Julie from the University of British Columbia finding that alternative metrics for measuring academic output um, in general are more fair than um, the traditional uh, citations citation uh, citation metrics used in using in academic circles
1: yeah, yeah so it would just be really cool if um, we start using these metrics uh, more when we're tra- doing like making decisions about hiring and that kind of stuff
0: yeah uh, okay one last question one last question I almost forgot do do you think it's fair for scientists to research themselves well not fair do you think it's unbiased for scientists like like us to do research to do research on ourselves can we believe can we believe um findings from scientists on stuff like this or do you think that we have too much of a of a vested interest in the outcome or influencing the outcome of such a study
1: uh, I think that's a very interesting question. Um, I think the, the problem is that if scientists aren't doing research on themselves, then who is? Um, so I think that between you and me, we're, we're early career scientists. Um, maybe we do have a vested interest, or personally I have a vested interest in making sure people use more altmetrics than citation scores when um, I'm going to move up my scientific career. But but I do think that uh, it's important to evaluate like how we're currently doing science. is it the best way, and um, how are, are the decisions that we make and the, the things that we do impacting male and female scientists
0: Excellent. And as an aside, you know we're not the only people doing research on this for sure. So, so um, that would mean that, you know, even if, um, even if we didn't believe uh, another group's research, well, you know, there's multiple there's multiple perspectives on the same the same research topics, even among the scientific community. You know, in order to get a consensus,
1: yeah. If a lot yeah. of scientists are doing similar research and finding similar things, then it gives a little bit more weight. So, well, that's interesting. So, to all of you listening
0: out there, all of you in Radio Land, the. Uh, this is Julie here from the University of British Columbia, finding that um, here discussing on KTUH her, her research, and she found that alternative metrics um, influenced by the general public are more fair than the traditional citation metrics um, in the academic community. So, score one for score one for the citizens of the world, and <laughs> and not for the ivory tower. And um, yeah, so we're gonna go back. We're gonna play some some Carol King here. This is another selection from her 1974 album, Wrap Around Joy. Happy Friday, happy last day of January. It's 2020. Aloha.